0: You're listening to The Venue Podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering at South Christ Baptist Church. We hope that this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Amen. Man, what, what a great song and thinking about all that we have in Christ, the freedom we have in Christ. And I want to start today's message off just a little different. Um, if you've got something you take notes on, whether it's a piece of paper or uh, the bulletin or Whatever, even I invite you to grab your phone in church, take your phone out, and I would like you to take about two minutes um, and think through. That seems like a long time, but it's not going to be that long. Uh, think through some of the ways that you've seen God's goodness in your life. If you have to go back all the way to like when you were a little child, that's cool too. But think through your life, or think through the past few months, and what are some ways you've seen God's goodness? In your life, his faithfulness, his favor on your life, even when you didn't deserve it. Does that make sense? So you're just making a list of like, God, you're awesome because of these things. Ready, set, go. I want you to actually write them down. About another 30 seconds to to do that. Don't stress out, you overachievers. had you do that, uh, feel free to like, if you're not done, feel free to continue that at home today. God won't be upset about that. But I had you do that, one, because it's good, like too often we focus on all the negative going on. It seems like there's a lot of negative going on in our world. So it's good to focus on what is good. How has God been good to you? But also because where we're going to find our story this morning in scripture, there's kind of a connection of what they were experiencing and and what I just had you do. See, the stories of Scripture, they're not just story. God intends the true story. They are true. The true stories of Scripture to impact, to shape our story. And it helps us better be transformed and shaped, which is the goal of Scripture, if we can see what are some of the connections, how how are we similar to the stories you find in Scripture. And so where we find ourselves today, there's a connection in that As believers, and them as God's covenant people, God has been really, really good to us. Amen? Let's try that one more time. God has been really, really good to us. Amen. Oh, that's better. Okay, good. All right. With that in mind, I want you to turn to Joshua chapter 24. Joshua chapter 24. Where we pick up, we're kind of, at, not kind of, we are at the end. It's the last chapter of the book of Joshua. And so, uh, so much has happened with the people of God. We're going to, uh, God's going to recap that in the text. And so I'm not going to recap it for you right this second. But they've come to the end of him of God bringing his people into the promised land. So if you go all the way back to, to Exodus, or really even Genesis, but then Exodus, where they're, they're sl- in slavery to Egypt, and then God brings them out, and there's this huge conquest finally in the book of Joshua. And now we're at the end of that in Joshua chapter 24. And God's going to, to really kind of remind them of, of all he's done, similar not the same, but similar to what we did just a moment ago. So uh, I hope you're there with me in Joshua chapter 24, verse 1. It says, Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem. So let's just, again, not the same, but similar. They gathered together to be in the presence of God, kind of like we are, right? you see the similarity there. He gathered them together at Shechem. And summoned the excuse me the elders, the heads, the judges, and the officers of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, "Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel: Long ago, your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates. Terah, the father of Abraham and of Nahor, and they served other gods. Then I, whose I, God, okay, God." It's <laughs> getting really deep right now, <laughs> OK? Just. Kidding. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan, and made his offspring many. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau, and I gave Esau the hill country of Seir to possess. But Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. And I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt with what I did in the midst of it. And afterward, I brought you out. Then I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. And when they cried to the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and made the sea come upon them and cover them. And your eyes saw what I did in Egypt. And you lived in the wilderness a long time. Then I brought you to the land of the Amorites, who lived on the other side of the Jordan. They fought with you, and I gave them into your hand, and you took possession of their land, and I destroyed them before you. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, arose and fought against Israel. He sent and invited Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you, but I would not listen to Balaam. Indeed, actually, he blessed you, so I delivered you out of his hand. And you went over the Jordan and came to Jericho, and the leaders of Jericho fought against you, and also the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. I, sorry. (laughs) And I gave them into your hand, and I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out before you, the two kings of the Amorites. It was not by... And lean in here a little bit. It was not by your sword or by your bow. I gave you a land on which you had not labored in cities that you had not built and you dwell in them. You eat the fruit of vineyards and olive orchards that you did not plant. So I went through there. Um, I don't know which translation you're using. I'm using the ESV and I counted really picking up in verse three on to, through verse 13, 18 eyes, not like that you see with, that, but God saying, I did this, I did this. So throughout this whole section, really, again, verses three through 13, God's just reminding them, look how good I've been, I've been to you. You, you, were, you were nothing, you were no one. You were actually, your forefather Abraham was worshiping other gods, but I made a people out of you and I delivered you from Egypt. And then when, when it looked like you were about to be drowned in the Red Sea or, or uh, killed at the Red Sea, I made a way for you To cross. And then I eventually brought you into the promised land. And he says, You're you're living in houses you didn't even build. You're you're eating the fruit of vineyards and olive orchards that you didn't even plant. (laughs) So God's saying, I've been so overwhelmingly good to you and faithful. And you didn't didn't deserve it. It wasn't like you worked really hard and earned it. I've just been good to you because that's who I am, because we're in a covenant. And I told you, I would be good to you. So I feel like you can almost like, if this was a Israelite national convention, they're all sitting there and they're like, man, yeah. God, you've been good. We got a good life. We're in the promised land now. This is awesome. So verse 14 kind of comes out of nowhere and it's slightly awkward, (laughs) Now, therefore, so because of all that we just talked about, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. You're like, how, if you're wondering how that's awkward. Paint a little picture here. Imagine you're, you're on a date with your spouse or your boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. And first, if you're on a date with your spouse, like hopefully there's not a boyfriend, girlfriend, that's where we're going with this. <laughs> so, you're on a date with your spouse or you know, you're your boyfriend, girlfriend, and um, they're telling you how like amazing the relationship has been and how good it is. And they love you so much. And then they're like, So because I love you so much, because of our commitment, like, could you stop seeing other people? Cricket, cricket, cricket. that's what's going on here. Joshua's before the people and man, God's been so good to you. He's been so faithful. And again, we don't, we don't know, but like, you almost, you can almost sense as he's giving this like pep talk for all God's done, like, yeah, God's been so good to us. So he's like, so if that's, if that's the case, if you agree with that, therefore, verse 14, therefore, get rid of these other gods, like quit two time in God. He says, worship him alone. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. So think about this. They, oh man. Hey, Richard, will you, sorry, will you go in my office and there's a little tiny, uh, uh, Jesus little figurine. Will you go get that for me? Thanks bro. Yeah, go ahead. Get off of Richard Cruz y'all. That's right. (laughs) Uh, Until he gets there, we'll just use this, okay? So, on a remote for something, that's scary. Um, So they've come from Egypt, like miles and miles and miles. And all along the way, while God's serving them and protecting them and blessing them, all the while they have these little gods in their pockets of their cloaks or whatever they wore, right? So they literally go through the Red Sea, God performing miracles, and they're still hanging on to their idols, then they get into the desert where God provides miracles so they can eat. Thanks, sir. Oh. Appreciate it. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. It's like a drug deal. <laughs> Inappropriate. Okay. So they, they come into the desert. God's performing all these miracles. And they still are like hiding the idols. Let's pretend it's an idol. In their tents and things like that. And then he's like, okay, we're going into the promised land. We're going to cross the, the, uh, the Jordan. We're going into the promised land. And they're packing up their things. It's going to be an awesome day. Consecrate yourselves to the Lord. Meaning like uh, Moses told them, prepare yourself to, to go in. Joshua told them, prepare, we're going in. Get your heart right. And so they're getting their heart right. They're praying, God bless us to go into the promised land. But shh. They go into the promised land. They conquer all these different people. Really, God conquers all these different people for them. Again, he says, you live in houses you didn't build. You eat from vineyards you didn't plant. I've been a blessing to you. And all the while, you still have these little idols you're clinging to. Verse 15. If it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. So key little point there. So they've got these old idols from when they were back in Egypt, and they've also got these idols uh, from the land of the Amorites, so these new idols. So they've come into the promised land, this new culture, this new land, and they're like, huh, these new idols, these little G gods seem pretty cool too. So they take them in. By the way, just quick note, if you're like, what is up with these little idols? that are made of wood and stone. Um, first of all, actual like carved idols like that still exist all over the place. I've been in India, and you can go, and for a certain price, you can buy a little god, which seems crazy, right? Like, to go and buy your god. Um, but I think the reason people are pulled into that is because it's something tangible, right? We like things that you can touch and see and even smell, and so it's, it's tangible. So he says... Choose this day whom you're going to serve, the, the old gods, the new gods, or, or if you're going to serve the one true God, the end of verse 15. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So basically, Joshua is drawing a lion in the sand, lion, not lion, lion in the sand and saying, "We're." going to serve the Lord. My family and I, we're going to choose to worship him alone. Not not God plus these little idols that we're going to keep in our houses and in our tents. We're going to serve only God. you got to choose who you're going to serve. So then verse, I'm not going to read all of it, but verses 16 through 18, the people, I love the beginning, it says, uh, then the people answered, far be it from us. So they're like appalled that he would even suggest something, right? (gasps) Far be it from us. Of course we would only worship God. Why is it ridiculous that they're appalled? Because they're guilty. Because they're guilty. They still have the idols. Yeah, they, they're still hanging on to these. So they're acting like, we would never. And Joshua was like, but you are right now. Like, what is wrong with you? They say, look, we, we know what God has done for us. We're going to serve him alone. So then in verse 18, therefore, we will also serve the Lord for he is our God. Verse 19. But Joshua said to the people, You are not able to serve the Lord for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. By the way, this doesn't mean that God never forgives sins. The idea is because he's holy, because he's jealous, which means he's passionate about what is protecting, what is precious to him, because he's a jealous God, he's not going to roll with you guys two time in him. He's not gonna roll with his covenant people like, I oh, will serve God and some other gods. No, you're gonna serve him alone. He's not gonna put up with anything else. That is what he expects from his people. Verse 20, if you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. Just for some clarity, this was, remember, the Israelites, the nation of Israel, they were in, this, they were in a covenant with God, and a different covenant than, than we are, and as believers today. And part of their covenant was when they followed God, that they obeyed Him, they worshiped Him alone, things went well with their country, with, their na- with the nation of Israel. When they didn't, things didn't go so well. Verse 21, and the people said to Joshua, No, but we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said to the people, You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. Verse 23, okay then, then put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline, that means to bend, to, to turn your heart toward the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, the Lord, our God, we will serve and his voice, we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and put in place statutes and rules for them at Shechem. Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God. And he took a large stone and set it up there under the terebinth that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to all the people, behold, this stone shall be a witness against us, for it has heard all the words of the Lord that he spoke to us. Therefore it shall be a witness against you, lest you deal falsely with your God. So Joshua sent the people away every man to his inheritance few things I want us to to see real quick observations if you're taking notes would be good to write down I think three things about this story one may ask it in a question first which came first God's expectations of loving him and worshiping him alone or, or, or the blessing which which in the story which do we read about first the blessings God says, I've blessed you in all these ways, so because of that, this is how you should respond. So I've referenced this before, but Chance the Rapper's got it wrong, right? It's not when the praises go up, the blessings come down. No, it's the blessings come down, so the praises go up. Track it with me, right? So the blessings come first to God's covenant people. It's the first thing. The second thing, even God's covenant people, those who are in relationship with him, covenant, are prone to idol worship. So even people who, who know God, have a relationship with him, the Israelites right here, are prone to worship other things. Idol worship, to think about, to love, to desire, to pursue something more than God. Even God's covenant people are like that, or are prone to that, can fall into that sin. The third observation, we got one, blessings come first. Two, even God's covenant, people are prone to sin and to idol worship. The third thing that should be like just screaming at us is that is God is a jealous God. He's a jealous God. Not like jealous, like God's walking around and he's like, dang, I wish I had that. That thing's sweet. (laughs) Not just envious. No, it's again, I said this a minute ago. He's passionate about protecting what is precious like just to give a quick little metaphor I'm I'm jealous of my kids like I'll just throw it out there you try to kidnap my kids today I will kill you like like is that too much I don't know <laughs> uh, actually it's totally fair right um a dad's gonna get an amen some of you are like I don't know today was rough <laughs> <laughs> maybe just let them bar I'll let them- you can bar them for a day okay just one day <laughs> no. he's a jealous God makes me, uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon said, a jealous God, to the God of the Bible, a jealous God will not be content with a divided heart. He must be loved first and best. So as a jealous God, he, he's not cool with, with his people saying, I, I love you, but I also, I also actually kind of want to give my affection to this. To give another metaphor, it's like, you don't stand at your, um, your wedding ceremony and look, at, look your spouse in the eye and say, You know, I, I do, I wanna be your spouse, but also I wanna have somebody on the side, I kinda of wanna two time. Like, if that happens at your wedding, like, stop, don't, don't go through with it. No, it's, it's wholehearted devotion. So, to kinda, of, if I could, you know, like to do this, summarize this passage, thinking in, in the ancient terms. This passage into one idea, it's what did God expect from the people he single-handedly, remember all those 18 eyes from the people he single-handedly brought into the promised land? So what did he expect from the people he single-handedly brought into the promised land? He expected wholehearted devotion, that they would choose, that they would cross that line to be all in for him, to give him all their affection, all their worship, to be all in. There's a temptation in, in our culture today, I mean like I mean in church culture, not in just American culture, to, to hear a story like that and be like, man, glad that's the Old Testament. I'm sure glad that Jesus isn't like that. I'm so glad that's not our situation. Is the God of the New Testament any different from the God of the Old Testament? No. You say, wait a second, they were in a covenant, and isn't it a little different? They were in a covenant. But if you know Christ, you've come to him by grace through faith, you are in a covenant too, the new covenant. And the New Testament actually tells us that, that because it's such an amazing covenant that you're saved not with the blood of goats and bulls, but the blood of Christ himself, the precious blood of our Savior, because you're saved by that blood hebrews says it kind of ups the ante your response to his covenant your response to his blessings upon your life it's an even greater expectation that you would follow in full submission and wholehearted devotion to him see even for believers today just like or very similar you could say to the old testament israelites the blessings come first god saved you not because you know what it's not like he was like you know what you're, you're pretty awesome. I see you trying really hard. I think I'll let you in. No, he saved you by his grace. Even though you didn't, we didn't deserve anything. We deserve death, hell, and damnation set a, set a, uh, excuse me, uh, cut off, separated from God. He reached down and rescued you by his goodness, by his grace. It says we're saved by grace through, pe- through faith, not by works. So none of us can boast, just like the Israelites, none of us can be like, man, I saved myself, did pretty good. No, he would say, no, you are saved in a salvation that you didn't build by your own hands. Y'all with me? It's a blessing. And as a result, or in response to that blessing of salvation, he expects wholehearted devotion. Where, Where are you pulling that from? That's Old Testament. No, it's not. In Mark, a couple of places in Mark, one, he says, If anyone would follow me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and come after me. So to follow me is not like just come to church and be happy. No, you're going to take up your cross, deny yourself, give up everything to follow me. Also in Mark, he says, these are like edgy words. Jesus said, if anyone loves his father or mother or son or daughter more than me, he's not worthy of me. God says, if you love, as much as you love your family, if you love your family more than me so that your heart is divided, you don't have a wholehearted devotion towards me, you're not worthy of a relationship with me. Whew. Mark 12, 29 through 31, he says, the most important commandment, and he quotes the Old Testament is, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. To love him with everything you've got. Jesus is a jealous God. He is passionate about you having a wholehearted devotion love for him. Thank you. <laughs> if we're honest, a lot of us read this story or we're kind of familiar with this story and we tend to envision ourselves or like think that we're Joshua that we're like uh, that we're like yeah, me and my house we're going to serve the Lord all you Little other, (laughs) I don't know where I'm going with that, sorry. Uh, (laughs) The reality is, we're we're really a lot like the Israelites, aren't we? Again, we don't carry around little carved out idols. I don't think anybody in here does. Maybe you do, I don't know. But for sure, our hearts are prone to wonder what, I mentioned this last week, John Calvin says, our, our hearts are perpetual idol factories. They're always pulling up, making up these idols. Now, the idols is something you think about, pursue, worship, love, desire more than God. Thanks for getting this, Richard. Uh, I want to use it a couple times. Here's the, my second time. Um, I have this because it's, it's fun to use in sermons occasionally. <laughs> it's a little Jesus figurine. You too can have one on Amazon. Um, but every Sunday, every Sunday... After the 11 o'clock venue, um, my wife and kids and I will go to my office where it sits over there. And every Sunday, Haddon always wants to go for the basketball because like his father, he's incredibly athletic. (laughs) Not really, (laughs) just kidding. But Caroline Tate always goes for this. She'll walk in and say, where's my Jesus? (laughs) And she always wants this. I remember one Sunday, Haddon took it, and she, across the office, was like, my Jesus, give it to me! And I was like, this is not appropriate. Like, please stop. Um, but she, so she, every Sunday, she'll, she leaves it in my office. She plays with it, she thinks it's awesome. And then she leaves it in my office. She goes back to our house. I mean, like, we take her back to our house. She's two years old. <laughs> you can walk. Uh, we take her back to our house, and she immediately goes and picks up new toys. Totally forgets about toy Jesus. Because to her, that's all that is. It's just a toy. So on Sunday, she's like, woo, let me hold my little Jesus. And then she totally forgets about it. You, you know where I'm going, right? Like, <laughs> too many of us are like that. Every now and then, maybe, maybe Sunday, maybe Tuesday if you're in college, maybe Wednesday if you're youth or come on Wednesday nights. I want to start back this Wednesday. Woo-woo. Um, And you're all excited about Jesus. But the reality is, he's just one of many things that you love. We are prone to idol worship. Now I'm gonna be real careful here because I could like get myself in trouble. but um, Just just to name some. As, As Americans, we like stuff, don't we? I like stuff. Amazon is a curse for me because it's way too easy to be like, hey, sounds good. Swipe to order. It's done. Y'all are smiling because you're like, yeah, me too. <laughs> Some of you are obsessed with, Man, if I could just be more popular, if I could have this sort of reputation. That's not just a kid thing, by the way. Like, adults do that too. If I could just reach this status, then, then I would be happy. And so we pursue, pursue, pursue. Some of us, this is where I would I would be careful. As I think as Americans, we're all prone to it, but we are tempted to have the idol of nationalism where we worship our country. I don't, Mine's over there. We mentioned the whole mass thing and Pastor David, we're not enforcing it, but this, this is my personal opinion. If you thought about, which I'm glad you're here, or if you're watching online, I'm glad you are no matter what. But if you were like, you know what? I I think I may not go to church because if I have to wear a mask, I ain't going to worship. Does that reveal anything? I hate those masks. (laughs) But if I... not willing to worship God because I may have to put a piece of cloth on my mouth, I may have the idol of freedom. I love freedom. I love that I can go eat whatever kind of fat barbecue I want today, right? Freedom is awesome. People have died for the freedom we have and we should be grateful. But if I love freedom more than Jesus... Something's wrong. Doesn't mean I'm not a Christian. Doesn't mean that I'm hopeless. That means my heart's got some issues. All right, hopefully I don't get in trouble for that. <laughs> An idol could be just money. Sacrifice, family, sacrifice, faith in God, whatever it is, to just get to just get Money. You know, what's cool about the Holy Spirit is I don't have to stand up here for an hour and like name all the different idols. I'm gonna trust even right now, the Holy Spirit's kind of knocking on your door, telling you, (laughs) you got idols that you need to let go. See, this morning, I believe that God's word draws a line in the sand and is like, hey, even believers, yes, Christians, are you gonna wholeheartedly follow me or are you going to cling to those idols? What does God expect from those he's brought from death to life single-handedly? <laughs> he expects wholehearted devotion for us to, to be all in. He wants your heart. So what does that look like this morning? I think for some of us, it's, it's setting up a, a rock, so to speak. Remember in the, in the story, they, they set up a, a large stone, it says, as a reminder, as a witness against them. Not that, like the rock was gonna walk, when they walked by, it was gonna be like, hey, you made a commitment. But when they saw it, it was a reminder of the commitment they had made. Some of you need to set up a rock this morning as this morning I'm drawing a line and say I'm gonna cross over that line and say God I'm gonna to the best of my ability by your grace, by your Holy Spirit I want to walk in wholehearted devotion and love for you and put away the idols of my life. So for you maybe setting up a rock maybe it means here in a few moments when we sing a little bit and I want to really this is open every Sunday, but I want to kind of encourage you this Sunday. Maybe it means coming down to the altar this morning by yourself or with your family, kind of saying, ask for me in my house and, and just praying and so say, God, we want to wholeheartedly follow you. We want to wholeheartedly be devoted to you and put away idols. And maybe again, putting a rock down this morning, maybe it means coming down front to pray at the altar. Maybe it means just journaling in, your, in a journal this afternoon, this evening and saying, and just kind of writing out what God's doing in your heart this morning, God, I want to wholeheartedly follow you. I want to choose, like the text says, choose to serve you, put away the idols. I'm going to do that today. Maybe for some of you, drawing a line in the sand, putting up a rock, so to speak, speak means getting baptized. Maybe you've never been baptized. And like Michael, you realize today, hey, I, I need to be wholehearted in my following after Jesus. Maybe for some of you, this may seem kind of random. Maybe for some of you, it's getting serious about joining a church and said, hey, you know what? I'm not gonna keep waiting. Today, I'm gonna like, say, I'm committed to this body of believers. i want to be all in and, and following Jesus. Not that joining a church makes you a better Christian, but it certainly is part of that in following Christ and being wholeheartedly devoted to him. Set up a rock this morning. Maybe for some of you, think about, it's interesting about the rest of the story. I'm not gonna read it all. But did you notice? It never says, like, we never have a moment where it says, so then they all went and destroyed all their idols. Never says that. They're like, yeah, we're going to follow God. Set up the rock. And Joshua again was like, okay, we'll get rid of your idols. Like, we're all in. Set up the rock. And they never got rid of the idols. You turn one, at least in my Bible, one page over to the book of Judges And it's one of the most horrific books of the Bible. And you know why I think a huge reason of that is? Well, the text unfolds because they never got rid of their idols. You can't grow in Christ, you can't grow in your relationship with God and hang on to those idols. Your idols, your sinful flesh like to deceive you and like, oh, I'll be fine, it's not a big deal. That's like trying to keep a pet lying in the house. When it's a little baby, it's cute and cuddly, kind of but it'll eventually grow up and destroy you. That's what your idols will do. First Peter says that your sin, um, it, it wages war against your soul. So when you cling to those idols, it, it's just waging war in your soul. So some of this, you this morning You need to realize that for you, it's not just putting the rock down. It's also, meaning like setting up a rock is what I should say. It's also putting the idol down. (laughs) Being intentional about repenting. Maybe it means you need to have a conversation this afternoon or this evening and and have some accountability and say, hey, whatever this idol is, I, I need to put it away. It's distracting me from wholehearted devotion to Christ. Put it away. For others of us, Responding this morning means we need, we need to refocus. Thomas Chalmers, he was a Puritan pastor theologian. He said, he asked the question, how do you dislodge something from the human heart? So if you have an idol in your heart that's preventing you from wholehearted devotion to Christ, how do you dislodge that? You replace it with a more beautiful thing. So you fix your eyes. You refocus your attention from the idol, whatever it is, to Christ. Some of you this morning need to intentionally think about how am I gonna refocus on Christ this morning? For others of you, the call this morning is for that first time to, to cross that line. Maybe you've been coming to church, you've heard about God, but you've kind of been like, I don't know. And maybe this morning, the Holy Spirit is knocking on your heart. You realize he's saying, come to me. Like, like Paul said in Philippians, everything you could ever gain in this world is worth counting as lost, as rubbish, to know Christ, to know me. So he's saying, cross that line that uh, cross that line, choose to follow me this morning. He's ready to receive you with open arms, no matter the idols that you've carried in your life. Maybe you're watching online and and God is knocking on your heart. We'd love for you to to click that connect button or click, um, if you're on Facebook, to shoot us a message so we can see what God is doing in your life. I'm gonna ask a couple of our um, pastors in a moment to be down front so that if you come down to pray, they could just kind of pray over your shoulder. But also, if you would like to talk with someone, they're gonna be here to pray with you. God wants your heart. Let me pray for us. Lord, would you create in me a clean heart that loves you wholeheartedly Lord would you create in this people your church, your children would you create in us wholehearted devotion for you God I pray that you would ease our grip on idols this morning and they would fall at your feet we'd realize that anything that we cling to desire more than you is a terrible God anyways, that leaves us wanting and hopeless. And God, that as we let go of those, that we would begin to cling to you this morning. Our rock, our savior, our cornerstone. God, I pray that you would help us to be bold. Maybe as we come down front to pray, or as we stand and sing or or journal, whatever it may be, God, that maybe we need to talk to a pastor this morning, give us boldness to respond to your amazing grace, the blessings you've given us, Lord. Help us to cross that line, to choose to be all in, to be wholehearted followers, devoted, in love, head over heels with you. It's in your beautiful, precious name that we pray. Amen. If you are encouraged by today's message, subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcasts. To learn more about the venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church.